I'm Chelsea Bay. And I'm Shay. Together, we are Fulfillment. Fulfillment is a storytelling event featuring local community leaders and entrepreneurs who share their personal journey towards fulfillment through vocation that will challenge you to come alive. The following stories are true and no one's identity has been protected. This is Fulfillment Stories podcast number 55. Todd Oosterhouse is a Traverse City native and has experience in sales, marketing, contracting, and now running a wine business. In 2012, Bonobo Winery was founded by he and his brother Carter Oosterhouse, where Todd is the owner and general manager. Here's Todd's story from the October 2018 event. Going through this, uh, looking at different parts of my life, um, came up with an interesting term called reckless optimism. <laughs> and actually, there's a term, there's a definition for this whole thing, right? So, um, but to break that down, uh, reckless, taking risk and not caring about possible dangers. Um, and this also leads into your personal life because my wife didn't think I was going to get things done, so she wasn't going to show up tonight if I didn't have a good speech. So there's the reckless part. Um, the optimism, um, it's taking a failure and seeing it differently. And of course, I looked at it and said, no, no problem, we'll get it taken care of. So this is where we end up. Reckless optimism means appreciating what you have, seeing opportunities where before you might have only seen a downside, and taking chances. As the philosophy, reckless optimism fosters growth and change, which is something that I know I need in my life. Well, some people might dismiss this philosophy as achievable because blanket optimism can be perceived as such a naive thing. But reckless optimism is different from optimism in general. A lot of optimism's in there. The difference is in that while you need to truly believe everything will be okay, and you have to have faith in that belief, you also have to put a certain amount of effort into that optimism in ensuring the outcome. Bad things happen, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world, and things will look up eventually. And that's what reckless optimism is all about. Um, and I feel in this, as I'm discovering all these things, it really is hardest for your family and or people that you work with because they don't always want to see something, hey, it's positive, it's great, this is really good, you know, we lost this, we didn't, that didn't work out. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, it's great, don't worry, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And so it's, it's a little tough, but you kind of work through it. Um, many times I've heard from my wife as well as others um, say to me, uh, do not think everything is going to work out. This is not a good thing. That does not make it right. It is your situation you put us in, now get us out of this. <laughs> you are so positive, I have to look at the downside. <laughs> but also, uh, in this, I have given comfort to others in saying, it is okay, we'll figure it out. Now, growing up in Traverse City, um, the winters were much tougher, and we always had to work outside and put that together. My dad grew up on a farm, so he kind of instilled that in us. But um, a few things that I always heard when I was growing up. Figure it out, and I know you can do it. Now, that positivity uh, really reigns strong with me in the sense that it carries so much weight. Um, not only does it give me joy, but it also gives joy in the same person that says that, or I say it too. 
And we can never hear enough of how great of a job we are doing or the confidence that it gives you, because that is so powerful. So I really believe that in everything that I try to put out there. Um, but also that in this, there's also an underlining tone of do not fail. So I've kind of looked at it as well as failure is not an option. And because of that belief in that, um, that I have to put a positive spin on everything. So I have to try and figure it out and say, okay, let's put a positive spin and go forward and how can we make that work? Um, as a young child, uh, being the oldest of four kids, I ultimate, ultimately was looked at to make choices for the family in the sense of where should we go eat? Um, of course, you have to consider everyone's got to enjoy the food where you go eat at. Um, you change equipment on a tractor. You know, the job has to get done. And many times I wouldn't know how to put the parts on and I was just told to figure it out. I spent a lot of time trying to figure it out. Um, sometimes it didn't always work out correctly or maybe I just figured out a better way to do it. But in the end, the job did have to get done. And um, it's kind of funny, I still use this today, but uh, my father would say many things, but uh, one thing that still rings true, he said, I bet for a million dollars you can figure it out. I'm still looking for the million dollars because I haven't figured out a lot of stuff, but still searching for it. Um, one decision that I did make that I think kind of affected our family a little bit um, later in my life down in Austin, I was a contractor. And as it turns out, my other brother is a general contractor in Dallas. My sister is a uh, designer out in LA, in California. And my other brother plays a carpenter on TV. So <laughs> he does a very good job. He does a very good job. <laughs> he does know what he's doing, okay? Um, but uh, I have made many decisions in my life only to see him go the opposite way in which I believe they would go. It doesn't mean it was a bad choice or a bad decision, it was just a different decision. And we had to try to look at the positive spin on that. After um, going to high school here at Traverse City St. Francis, among other things, I wanted to get out of Traverse City and try something new, but I wanted to go out to California. I wanted to play uh, football out there. Now back then, this is 1986 when I graduated high school, um, St. Francis wasn't real big into stats and reputation and what can we do, and so how am I supposed to get myself out there to show these people how great I am, right? Um, so I put together uh, video and letters from my coaches and sent this out to a number of colleges. Now this is common practice nowadays, but back then it wasn't really happening. So I, it was just you know simply my parents just said figure it out because they didn't have any answers to it either. So with that, of course, um, I sent this over probably to 50 different colleges and eventually, after I hear a number of no, no, we don't need you, we don't need you, someone did say yes out in California. So I did go out there to play football. So I did accomplish what I was searching for. Um, and it was just a matter of me just figuring out what is the best way to do it and just putting myself out there so I can get involved, get in the, in the game of life, so to speak. And this experience reinforced the belief of just change the way you look at things. Just uh, look at it from a different angle and try to see how you can figure that whole process out. And then just to complete that story, I eventually did move back and graduate from Central Michigan as well um, for different reasons. Um, but then after college, um, I took a job out in New York City working for a marketing company. Um, and I wasn't really sure what this job entailed, but I decided just to move out there and go for it. Um, I thought, you know, who doesn't want to check out the big city? And, you know, packed up my car and I went and I figured, hey, what could go wrong? They, you know, they said, you have a lot of fun. So, sure, I went. Now, when I did get out there, I did find out what the job was. And I found out my situation. 
I ended up sharing a two-bedroom apartment with eight people. Um, I was selling a $20 certificate door-to-door, and each one I sold, I would get $7. And this was 100% commission. So I'd already moved myself out there, and so there was no turning back. I had to figure it out. But I mean, I looked at it and I said, uh, as I was going through it, who doesn't like to see someone show up at their door and say, how you doing? Do you want to buy something? <laughs> and as I was walk, working through this, um, you know, your first opening line is when you open the, someone opens the door is usually, how are you doing? And I did this in the South as well. And when you're working in the South, they'll tell you how they're doing. They will tell you what they did the last weekend, what they're doing the next weekend. So you had to kind of change how you were talking to them. That was a pretty uh, slow sale, shall we say. Uh, when I was new, working in New York, when I was doing this, it, they give you the big FU, and so it was a fast sale. You had to really move fast and really talk really quick. Um, but I had to adjust my rhetoric and how I was working with everything. Um, I had to figure out the best way to talk to people and kind of uh, develop my story, what I was gonna talk to them about. I worked for this company for about three years. Um, of course, I realized that not everybody wanted to buy a certificate from me, um, but they did want to feel good about what they were doing. They did want to, um, whether they were buying it or not, they at least um, just wanted to enjoy their day or get a smile or get a nice conversation. So I knew I figured out that if I could sit there and put some emotion into it, put a positive spin, and I could explain to them that how much they would enjoy buying the certificate and what they could do with it, that they would really have a good time and then it made it more pleasant for everybody having the conversation. Um, and with that, I felt better, of course, because I'm not sitting there trying to trudge and trying to convince someone just to buy something. I'm really making sure that they enjoy what they're getting. And so I learned that being positive and looking at things a little bit differently, I could make a living at it and then just help some people to have a better day because maybe some people just needed a smile for all that stuff. Um, from there, this company, I, I went from New York down to Nashville and eventually down to Dallas, then eventually down to Austin. So I moved around quite a bit with them. Um, either I was really good or really bad, but they moved me around quite a bit. I eventually settled in Austin. Um, having done that marketing company for a while, I decided to become a general contractor. Um, I figured who doesn't like to change jobs every couple of years and see what's happening. So I, I had done, you know, I'd done construction uh, going through college, so I'm pretty familiar, but I'd never done a business by myself. And as I went through this, um, I just kept on having the belief that I could figure it out, that I'll figure out what I need to do. I started with little jobs of maybe building a deck, then painting a room, and then someone said, can you do my bathroom? Can you do um, half my house? Then pretty soon it was do my whole house. I was just like, yeah, I can figure it out. Um, <laughs> there was a few ups and downs. Um, of course, there were many jobs you know, that didn't go as I planned, um, especially at the beginning. I would be in battles with the homeowner about cost overruns and why did this cost so much? Of course, most of it was my fault because I didn't know what I was doing. But, um, but really what happened was is that we would sit there and talk about it and using what I had learned before um, is that how they were getting a positive from actually what happened in terms of you got a bigger house or you got a better walkway or you got a better entrance. And so they could see that and we could go, both get a value add. I didn't want to just want to sit there and go, um, okay, fine, you're right, you're done. I wanted to try to see if I could change a little bit of that perspective. Some of the people that I worked with, um, 
a group, um, we, we actually worked together for about 15 years. They would come in, buy homes, and um, I would redo them for, for them. And this is right when Austin was really going through the boom. And so what happened with that is we would go in, um, they would take off the roof of a home, we would um, end up adding three bedrooms to the top, uh, a couple bathrooms and make sure it looked really great. And we would start these homes in May and have to finish them by August. I don't know how many people have done construction projects, but it was a pretty quick timeline. Um, and of course, with my reckless optimism, I would always say, sure, I can get it done. Um, there were many times that we struggled. There were many times that we went through it and um, didn't know if we were gonna get it done. And I didn't know, of course, I didn't let the homeowner know that if I'd get it done. But uh, I, you know, I was trying to be creative and trying to get, go through with the execution to make sure that it worked. And believe it or not, most of the times it did get done just before anyone moved in there. And I know, I think my brother does a show about something getting done on time, but I'm not gonna take any credit for giving the idea. Um, but then in 2008, my brother and I started talking about doing something in our hometown. And um, looked at some different industries, what do we wanna do, where can we go? And we decided to do a winery. Now, wine was not in our DNA. Um, it wasn't something that we drank a lot of, even looked at it as more of what our parents did. But um, we looked at what was happening, we said, hey, let's figure it out. And of course, um, since I had been, had grown up that way, it was, hey, Todd, can you figure it out? Um, but this was a much bigger situation that I'd ever taken on. It wasn't just a new business, it was, uh, I moved my whole family back up here, um, had to worry about uh, making sure they were okay, worry about my brother, worry about everyone that was gonna work for us, make sure that we kept the doors open as we were going forward. Um, I did know the wineries worked in Northern Michigan, um, so that was an easy check mark. But I didn't know everything about the total wine business. Uh, a lot of things I had to figure out. Everything from, uh, turn my page here. Uh, grapes to plant, um, where to plant them, producing the wine, what glasses to serve, what napkins to use, um, all the way to what do we call ourselves, bonobo. And um, I could go on and on, of course, but there's so many different variables about that. One of the decisions can affect your business for years to come. And it was not a matter if that decision was right or wrong, but it's how we put it into a positive light or I put it into a positive light for the advancement of the business. Um, after opening the winery, um, we get hit with two bad crop years. So we get no product from our vines. Not the best way to start your business and you have no product to sell. Um, huge heartbreaker. Uh, we had to go relook at our whole redevelopment of our business plan. And it was really laid on my task to say, hey, figure out what are we gonna do? How are we gonna move forward? So evaluating the options and making the best choice so we still could succeed and still keep the business going. Um, I realized that uh, not only do the customers want wine, but they want to feel good. They want to feel about what they're partaking in. You know, it's not just sipping the wine, but the conversations they have, the enjoyment from hanging out with their friends. And then also looking at different ways that we can be creative to do what we're doing, um, whether it be offering food, doing cider, game nights, live music, anything that was different or out of the ordinary. It's not always a positive to lose your crops the first couple of years, but you know, because we could have gone on just status quo and kept rolling with that. But in doing that, it made me look at the business a little bit differently and open up different options to where I could move forward and figure out a positive, good outcome and situation from this. And that's what we did. 
Um, so I just tried to find the positive and make it work for me and not look at the negative about it. Um, of course I have fears. Did I make the right business decisions? Are people actually going to come into the winery? Is there actually a positive way to look at everything? Um, but uh, what eventually happened, uh, we moved forward. Um, jump around here. But, and so as we're coming back, you know, I looked at all those positives. I looked at uh, the decisions may have not been the best, but it was the right decision at the time. So reckless optimism is not just doing things willy-nilly. It is about figuring out the best options, but not being afraid to take chances. My decisions in life were not always the best or the most popular, but I did not go down the road of trying to, but I did go down the road of trying to figure it out, and, it, and then I arrived. If I had not gone down that road of trying to figure it out, then I wouldn't have arrived where I am today. Um, things that really uh, ring true, as I'm going through and I'm more, I'm older, um, I'm not as reckless as I used to be as a child, but um, I'm more calculated in what I do, but I'm not afraid to take those chances because there is a fine line sometimes between success and failure, and you can't put yourself out there. Someone has to make the choice, and I want to be in control of that, and I want to enjoy the outcome. Um, calculated decisions are great, but too much analysis forces you to sit on the sidelines and never be involved in the game. You have to own your decision. Find the positive outcome from that decision and make it work. Um, my uh, task, I guess, or my uh, challenge is I dare you to be a reckless optimist. Take a chance. If it does not work out, trust yourself and figure it out. Thank you.